0: Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor John Gable delivers the message entitled, Speaking for God, Christ the Prophet. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab.
1: This past week, I celebrated a birthday, and birthdays are usually just about celebration and cake and being with friends and family. And for me, in retrospect, um, it made me think back to the number of years that I've lived on this earth and grappled with what I'm supposed to be doing and what I have accomplished and what I haven't accomplished. And that's where this prayer of confession is so important to us each and every week. We are all sinners, we all fall short. We know what we're supposed to do, but doggone it, we just managed somehow to to fail to do it. And so I'd like for you all to think about that in your own lives, but know that, um, as the song indicated, love is reaching out to each one of us, and we can come to God in this prayer of confession. So please follow with me. Holy and merciful God, We confess that there are so many things which keep us from responding to you as you desire. We confess our pride, which does not recognize its own need, and our selfishness, which does not recognize the needs of others. We confess our blindness, which refuses to see what it does not wish to see, and our deafness, which closes its ears to the cries around us we confess our spiritual shallowness that does not acknowledge your presence in our midst and claim on our lives forgive us lord of these and all things which keep us from hearing your voice or following your call that we may once again listen understand, and obey you, and you alone. This we pray together, and in the silence of our hearts, in Jesus' name. Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let those who believe in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Next, I'd like for you to read along in the uh, bulletin, the Affirmation of Faith, which happens to be the Barman Declaration from 1934. And for this, I'd like you to stand. Jesus Christ, as he is attested for us in the Holy Scripture, is the one word of God which we have to hear and which we have to trust and obey in life and in death. As Jesus Christ is God's assurance of the forgiveness of all our sins, so in the same way and with the same seriousness is he also God's mighty claim upon our whole life. Through him befalls us a joyful deliverance from the godless fetters of this world For a free grateful service to his creatures amen this morning's first uh, scripture reading is from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 15 through 22 the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people you shall heed such a prophet this is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, if I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, they are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. You may say to yourself, how can we recognize a word that the Lord has not spoken? If a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, But the thing does not take place or prove true. It is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Do not be frightened by it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel
2: lesson this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, the seventh chapter. We pick up at the 25th verse. Jesus is in the midst of a conversation in the temple And we read, now some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is not this the man whom they are trying to kill? And here he is speaking openly, but they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Messiah? And yet we know where this man comes from, but when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he was teaching in the temple, you know me and you know where I am from. I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true, and you do not know him. I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. Then they tried to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him, because his hour had not yet come. Yet many in the crowd believed in him, and were saying, When the Messiah comes, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering such things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent temple police to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little while longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will search for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then they said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will search for me and you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let anyone who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit which the believers in him were to receive, For as yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some in the crowd said, This is really the prophet. Others said, This is the Messiah. But some asked, Surely the Messiah does not come from Galilee, does he? Has not the scripture said that the Messiah is descended from David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David lived? So there was a division in the crowd about him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of the day, for this privilege. We would pray now that the words of my mouth, that the meditations of our hearts together might find acceptance in your sight, for it is through Christ our Lord we pray it to his honor and glory. Amen. The Gospel writers give us numerous stories of conversations between Jesus and the disciples. One in particular, one day at the place called Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked them, so who do people say that I am? What's the rumor going on about me? The disciples answered, well, some say you are John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Others think you're the prophet Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. In other words, no one's quite sure who you are, Jesus, although many people think you are some kind of a prophet. The disciples were right in their response. There was confusion on the streets about who this Jesus of Nazareth was and what he had come to do. At the time of his birth, there was great messianic expectation. There was an expectation that Messiah would be coming soon, They were an oppressed people, lived under the authority of Rome, and they were holding on to the promise that had been given by Moses, their leader of days gone by, that one day the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. So that's what they were waiting for, watching for, praying for, a prophet like Moses, that God would raise up who would then lead these people out from the bondage of Rome and set them free. He'd done it before. Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the other prophets, most recently John the Baptist. And so when Jesus arrived on the scene, their spiritual antennae were up and they desperately wanted to know, are you the one? Or should we look for another? Who is this one? Jesus of Nazareth. That was their question then. It continues to be our question still today. James I. McCord, the late president of Princeton Theological Seminary once said, the most critical question of the first century is the most critical question of the 20th century, now the 21st century. Who is Jesus Christ? This is the question men and women of every age and race and persuasion have asked for the past 2,000 years, and it is the question which ultimately each of us must answer for ourselves. Many are still asking, if they dare to ask this kind of question at all, if he is relevant for them today, or just another character from the past who claimed to speak for God. For most of us, even those of us in this place, the question comes out I think a little differently. Our question is not only who is he, but also what has he done for me that I cannot do for myself? What difference will being a follower of Jesus make in the way I live my life? Is he the only one or is he one among many that I can choose from to follow? Regardless of how we ask that question though, it ultimately comes back to who is Jesus Christ? In the Westminster Confession of Faith, a document written mid 1600s so the 17th century, often considered the standard for Protestant theology, this statement is made about the work of Christ, and it sounds a little 17th century, so bear with me. Quote, it pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, to be the mediator between God and humanity, the prophet, priest, and king, the head and savior of the church, the heir of all things, and the judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed, and to be led by him in time. Redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. As we unpack the language of this statement of our faith, Jesus Christ, we are told, is the mediator, the go between between us and God, and he fulfills this role in three very specific ways as prophet, priest, and king. So today, and now over the next two weeks, we will look at these three distinct functions he serves in order to help answer our question, who is this Jesus Christ and what has he done for us? Today, looking at him as Christ the prophet, the one who speaks for God. In order for the Westminster Confession to be used as a teaching tool for children and new confirmands, It became a catechism, a question-and-answered format, a teaching tool. Perhaps some of you as children had to memorize parts of the catechism. Question number four, 24 rather, of the shorter catechism is, how does Christ execute the office of prophet? And the answer is given, Christ executes the office of prophet in revealing to us by word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. This is what a prophet does. Reveals to us in word and action the will of God for our salvation. And the prophet does this as the mediator, the the intermediary, the the mediator between God and his people. Remember how Moses would go up on the mountain during that 40-year wilderness sojourn on behalf of the people because they were terrified to be in the presence of a holy God. He would intercede for them and then bring the message from God back down to them. This is the role of the prophet, this mediator, to speak to God on behalf of the people and to speak to the people on behalf of God. And through the ages there have been many who have served in that function. There seems though, even among us, to be confusion about who these prophets were and how we're supposed to understand their message. Some seem to think that they were a kind of mystic, uh, psychic uh, fortune tellers who had uh, esoteric visions of the future who then wrote their predictions in the tabloids of the day. Not so, not at all. Nothing could be further from the truth. The prophets were not individuals who were cut off and living in their own little worlds of flight and fantasy, who then tried to write history in advance. Rather, they were individuals who were deeply engaged in their communities, and in the traditions of the faith. They were individuals who were so immersed in the Word of God that they were able to apply the commands and the promises of God given in the past to a present circumstance and then accurately predict outcomes for the future. The faith of the the prophets was grounded in two assurances that were given about God. The first assurance is that God is actively working his purposes out in human history. And the second is the promises of God are faithful and true. So what the prophets were doing was simply taking the promises of God and applying them confidently to the present and the future. They weren't like weather forecasters or political analysts who were saying if trends continue, this is what happened. Rather, they were taking a promise God had given and applying it to the, uh, to the people in a time and a place for the present and the future. Are there such prophets today? I believe absolutely so. Because I believe that God is still speaking to us today. To us, through them, and to them. And so we need to listen to the message that they give us as they call us to faith and faithfulness. But if you'll recall in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus also warns us that there are false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Do you remember that phrase from the Sermon on the Mount? So how do we know if the one who claims to be a prophet really is such from God? It is not some wacko, self-proclaimed, do-it-yourself, wannabe Messiah. There are two time-proven guidelines that are given to us in the text that we read today. First, A genuine prophet's teaching will always be grounded in the word of God and a faith tradition of the people of God. Remember Moses saying, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet from among the people. Meaning, one who has a history in the faith tradition, in this community, is versed and grounded in its teachings which we can apply to say that we should never trust anyone who claims to bring a new word from God or a new revelation that they alone have been given or whose teaching elevates and promotes themselves and their purposes rather than God and God's kingdom purposes. A true prophet may, in fact, shed new light on old truths, Scripture is always active and alive, but still the call must always be to faithfulness, to the God who is faithful and true. The second guideline we can use is simply to wait and see if what the prophet says actually comes to pass pass or not. Again, we read in Deuteronomy, if a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord but the thing does not take place or prove to be true, It is a word that the Lord has not spoken. I mean, that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? The proof is in the pudding. Or, as Jesus said far better than I, you will know them by their fruits. A good tree bears good fruit. So, in all of this, what of Jesus? Are his teachings consistent with what we know to be the word of God? Absolutely they are. And even in those instances where he says, you have heard it said in ancient days, but I say to you, he's not refuting the promise of Scripture. He's not refuting the word of God. He's refuting the interpretation of the elders of the day. And what of his actions? Were they consistent with his words? Again, yes, The people were amazed at his teachings, amazed at his healings and miracles. Some even wondered aloud, when the Messiah comes, will he do more signs than this man has done? And the answer is no. No one else can. Jesus backed up his words with his actions and called the people into a closer, more intimate relationship with God, the Father, So Jesus was, by every measure, a prophet sent by God. But the question for us remains, was he also something more than that? Was he like Moses or Elijah or Jeremiah? Or dare we say he was more, that he was Messiah, that he was the Christ, the promised one, That question asked of him then becomes the question we continue to ask today. There are many people of many faith traditions, and really even those of no faith tradition at all, who are quite comfortable calling Jesus a prophet, a good man, good teacher, great leader, adding his name to a rather extended list of others who down through the ages have been the same, So what is it then that we can say about him that will set him apart from all others? P. Carnegie Simpson writes, Instinctively, we do not class him with others. When one reads his name in a list beginning with Confucius and ending with Goethe, we feel it is an offense less against orthodoxy than against decency. Jesus is not one of a group of the world's great. Talk about Alexander the Great or Charles the Great or Napoleon the Great, if you will. Jesus is a part. He's not the great. He is the only. He confounds our canons of human nature. He compels our criticisms to overleap itself. He awes our spirits. There is a saying of Charles Lamb that were Shakespeare to enter the room, we would all stand up to greet him. But if Jesus himself were to enter the room, we would all bow down and wish to touch the hem of his garment. When we speak of Jesus as prophet, we do so believing that he is the one who speaks for God in a unique and exclusive way, not exclusive as to who his audience is. This this message that he gives is intended for all, to be heard and received by all, but exclusive in the claims he makes about himself. No one can speak with the authority that he does. He is one who announces the promises of God and calls his listeners into a right relationship with God through faithful obedience to lives of justice and peace and righteousness. And in this, he stands in the great traditions of all the prophets. But even more than this, we believe that Jesus is the one to whom the prophets through the ages has pointed. He is the one who has fulfilled the promises that they made. He is the one who fulfills the messianic expectation, the one in whom all the promises of God find their yes. And in this sense, Jesus is not a prophet of God. He is the prophet of God For when he speaks, we believe God speaks. When he acts, we believe God acts. When he makes a promise, we believe that God is making that promise, and it is faithful and true. So when Jesus asked his disciples at Caesarea Philippi, who do people say that I am? They answered that they thought he was a prophet of God, like Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, and that may be fine for them. People who don't know him, haven't heard him, haven't followed him, only know him remotely. But then Jesus asked the more critical question, the more personal question of those who were closest to him. So, what do you say? Who do you say that I am? Friends, that's really the question that each of us must answer for ourselves today. Who is this Jesus Christ? The world says he is one among many. Let us say with believers in every time and place, while he may be a prophet, he is so much more than that. So much more than that. He is the prophet, sent by God to be our Savior and our Lord, the one who will lead us into the way of our salvation. And that is very good news. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of worship. We thank you for the promises that you've given to us this day. We pray that they will be sealed into our hearts that we might be faithful to follow you. For these and all things we pray through Christ, to Christ, for Christ, to his honor and glory. Lord, hear our prayer.
0: You're listening to Sunday with Tab a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indy. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org, that's T-A-B, P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with TAB Why is there a church? Pastor John Gable of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis The word church conjures
2: up many images but at TAB we believe the church is called to demonstrate the values and practices of the kingdom of God At Tab, we envision a place where people grow strong in faith as they are equipped to serve others, where deep and loving relationships are created, where people work together to strengthen the community, advocate for justice, and promote God's peace and shalom. Oh, we're not there yet, but that is what we desire because we believe that's what God desires for the church, our community, and the world. Come see for yourself
0: or find out more at tabprez.org. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis invites you to worship Sunday morning at 8 or 10 a.m. If you can't make it in person, tune in to Sunday with Tab, Sunday mornings at 6.30 on WIBC or find us online at tabpres.org.